Today's your update for May 31st, 2020. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brian Perkins. I'm Chris Ologi. I'm Dan Red Victoria. And I'm Lee Lamb. Another week, another set of stories. And uh, yeah, it's very clear that uh, the summer is here. What would be E3 time is approaching, uh, and we're getting a lot of announcements coming up. Uh, so even though we don't have in-person events, it seems like the industry is still surging forward. So we got something to look forward to, I suppose. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking uh, about Sony later. We got uh, some good topics to go through. But before we get to that, as usual, we like to check in and catch up on what we've been up to this for the past week. And uh, so I'm going to start us off as we usually do. And for me, it's kind of the same two uh, up in the up top uh, PC building simulator, as usual, still playing that uh, eagerly awaiting the 1.8 update, which is allegedly coming in the next week or so. So hopefully that's mm-hmm. up. Uh, still playing Streets of Rage 4, kind of splitting my time between the PC and PS4 versions, which I really shouldn't do. But uh, yeah, I just. Whenever I happen to sit down at the PC and want to play a few rounds, I can do that. And whenever I don't, I just go over there and play it. So there's that. And I've still been, uh, you know, deeply involved in my whole emulation thing, which I'm really, you know, kind of liking. Exploring new things. And uh, found one that I want to put on your radar because it's it's not out yet, but it's about to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's called uh, 3D Sen, which is Nest Backwards. Or NES. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, this emulator is written by Geode, and he says either pronunciation is correct because he never really thought about you know, how people would say it. So he says, yeah, both. Uh, but anyway, this is an NES emulator, uh, and what it does is very, very different. He's been doing this for, well, he's working on this for the last five years. That's a lot of work to put into an NES emulator. Uh, but when you go to the Steam page and you look at what he's doing, you'll see why. Uh, first of all, this is a uh, very different take on NES emulation in that it doesn't run every single game. Uh, mm. Okay. He's got, a, I mean, it could. He's got a set of 30 that he's uh, working with right now. But the reason that it doesn't run every game is because he has to put profiles in for every game, because he is literally applying depth to every and to all of the NES ROMs. Oh shit! Yeah. So, for instance, like in uh, Adventure Island, where you know you got the uh, the sky and the trees that you're walking by. Well, uh, mm-hmm. that now has depths, and the tree now has parallax. So, oh wow! Yeah. Or like in uh, the original Castlevania, for instance, where the uh if when you're going through the entry hall for instance and you see the curtains on the uh, uh on the windows well those curtains are now 3D models and they're blown in the wind mm-hmm. uh, and you know when you go down into uh this the sewer area and the you know the mer dudes are sh- popping up well you can see them through the water cuz the water is now transparent uh, that's wow cool. yeah so this is why it is... He thought taking, of everything. Yeah, he's he, he's doing this on a game-by-game basis. That's why it's taking so damn long. Uh, but yeah, you can apply different backgrounds if you want, uh, or just use what the game provides. Uh, you've got the ability to actually tilt the screen if you want different perspectives. Uh, not sure how useful that really is, but you could do it if you want. 
Uh, and yeah, it's a very, very different take on NES emulation, and I think I'm going to be very uh, intrigued with it once it shows up. So uh, Seriously? That's, yeah, that's due to show up on Steam um, the 12th of June. So yeah, keep your eye out for okay. that. Put it on your wish list. And uh, uh, I don't think it's going to cost anything, because that would be weird. Well, yeah, that would be illegal. Well, no, because yeah. he's not selling the ROMs. Oh, yeah, cause he's, and he's doing a lot of his own work on it, too, so... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so I mean, I did not consider that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like when you, uh, it'll basically ask you to point it to the ROM directory, and you know, it goes from there. Uh, and I guess as he adds profiles, then you'll see more of those games show up in your uh, in your menu. So okay. this looks really really cool, and uh, I can't wait to get my hands on it and try it. So that's yeah, promising. Yeah, that's kind of been it for me. How about you, Pat? Um, mostly it's been Samurai Showdown. I've been playing some other stuff, uh, NHL 20 bits and pieces, because I've been doing some design work on there, but it's mostly been Samurai Showdown and otherwise just sifting through the absolute mass of games that I downloaded to my PS4 when I added that three terabyte external drive. Um... And pretty much loaded it with every game that I've been issued over the years or bought on flash sales or, um, you know, what have you. Because being a PS4 owner who, who has had PlayStation Plus subscription steadily uh, through the entire life, life cycle of the platform, that's a lot of games. So how many games do you think you have installed at the moment? I'm taking a look here. Um Sixteen games in the racing folder. I think if you go to your library, it should just show you how many total. Okay, for its load, um, two hundred eight installed. Okay, not bad. But yeah, I've got stuff that I've just purchased on flash sales or um, holiday sales and what have you that I just haven't played yet. Um, it, it's starting to look a lot like my PC with my Steam account. And I don't know. I've got quite a few choices. So I do still have what would have been E3 week um, on vacation from work. So I'll have to find something to play for that. But other than that, um, it's just been Samurai Showdown, um, just getting better and better at that. And uh, NHL 20, because I've been doing this... um, sort of side project in my spare time where I am going through the entire NHL, um, you know, as a whole and sort of rebranding and redesigning the team uniforms. And I've got a whole album for that on, on Facebook that I'll link in the show notes, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. Right. Uh, as for me, well, I finished Valkyria Chronicles. Friday, so uh, I've uh, now gone and decided to use my uh, PS Now subscription and went and downloaded a bunch of old PS2 uh, old PS2 JRPGs that are available there, so I got Wild Arms 3 and uh, Rogue Galaxy, which nice. I've been playing a little bit, and also since it was available, uh, I went and got also got uh, Shine Us the Lightning Kingdom, which is janky as hell, but 
I freaking love it either way. Um, it's very like it's a few years old now, and it kind of shows. But I love it anyway. It's just it's it's very like it's got a very like early two thousand sort of flavor to it that I love. But yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I'm pretty much as far as like gaming goes. This is pretty much what I'm going to be doing until you know, Last of Us Part Two comes out. <laughs> Can I, um, Brandon, where did you? Yeah. Where were you playing Valkyrie Profile? Oh, uh, a remaster Chronicles. From, oh, yeah. sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I misunderstood you. <laughs> sorry, I thought you said Valkyrie Profile. I was like, did they re-release? No. Okay, no, no, sorry. No, no. I'm really surprised yeah. that they haven't. I, I'm surprised they haven't either. But, right, no, it's Valkyria like, Chronicles. I'm, I'm out of the loop, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. But yeah, uh, uh, unless I can get some money to pick up the Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition on Switch, this is pretty much what I'm going to get going to be doing until July 19th, until June 19th. So yeah, so that's all for me. What about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, so. I have been not playing too much here. Uh, managed to get uh, Fantasy Star Online downloaded on the the Windows Store. Nice. Which seems like it's been a whole thing for a lot of people because the Windows Store is uh, kind of trash. Uh, and yeah, so it's a it's 11 gig download initially, then throws uh, a bunch more at you, uh, and has a uh, issue I think is an issue with uh, mobile gaming, which is a they don't tell you what the full size of the game is going to be. They just tell you what the the installer is going to be. And so, like, if you're you know, trying to install it on a <clears throat> on like an SSD for like improved load times or whatever, you know, you might want to know like, hey, how much of this is going to take up? And they just do not do that. So I had to Google it and find like an official page from uh, the team. Uh, saying that, but it's like 70 gigs, so it's a little bit smaller than the Xbox version, uh, which is uh, a little bit surprising in terms of uh, that just being like one whole big download. I don't know, um, but yeah, the it definitely featured like a classic micro, uh, Windows experience uh, when installing the the rest of the stuff because it featured a timer that just kept going up uh, for how long it was going to take, uh, which was like, all right, this makes no sense. Uh, I think I had to stop it once to do some other stuff on the internet because it just took all the bandwidth. And despite that, it also was not going very fast for whatever reason. It's a it was a very weird experience compared to every other MMO where you can kind of do stuff in the launcher when it's installing the extra data, uh, but here it locks it all up, so you can't even like make sure like you got your account on there and all that stuff, graphical settings and the that stuff, but uh, got it all working. Uh, been mostly using the the mouse and keyboard for this version, uh, which works out pretty well. Just there's some aspects of it I do not know what the controls are because I'm jumping in where I'm level 20, uh, having played all the intro stuff on the console. So I'm like, okay, I've no real idea of how to control this with the mouse and keyboard, uh, and having to just kind of figure some stuff out, which is mostly just switching the uh, the sets of uh, actions you have for the weapons, you just switch into a different weapon and the same for the different items. 
uh, you can set up for. So I've been uh, doing some quests uh, here and there. Uh, they had a concert yesterday I was watching, which is the same one that was in the beta on Xbox uh, for that. And did uh, one of the urgent missions they had there, which was uh, pretty easy for the most part. Uh, it was just uh, people had to go through these this big old open area and kill a bunch of enemies. I don't even remember, like, some of the ones I saw were just one big boss that gets killed in, like, less than a minute. Because you're throwing 20 people at it, and they're all super-powered. Because this game is weirdly balanced, where you're just going to fuck everything up on the default difficulties. It seems, from what people are saying, is it's balanced towards the uh, what the Japanese players have been playing for the last eight years. Uh, so everything's, like, easier in the early game. Uh, and gets dip more difficult once you get to the late stuff, but... Uh, the early game stuff kind of is a little bit uh, not so much interesting as uh, as you might want. But it's easy enough that you can kind of just put on a podcast or whatever and just get through it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's working out so far. Uh, but yeah, there's been a lot of people having issues with it to the point that Japanese PSO2 players released a, their own version of the launcher called PSO Tweaker, I think it is. That fixes a bunch of those issues, which is uh, kind of a crazy thing. Of the the hardcore players of the Japanese version are kind of doing the work that the the devs aren't to make the game <laughs> playable, uh, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> Why it's not like the it hasn't been going on since launch? <laughs> yeah, but I would figure they would launch this in a state that actually worked. And then the, the messaging they've been doing on their Twitter is like, yeah, we're listening. We're going to try and get this fixed. And it's like, oh, this is going to be weeks for any of this gets fixed, it seems. So uh, the the fans on the, in the Japanese version are just doing everything for them, uh, which is at least good that they're getting the help and not having to s- stick around with a, a buggy version of the game yeah. uh, for a lot of people. Um, play more Rocket League. Uh, enjoying that a lot. Uh, had my first uh, rage quit issue, which was not because of losing or anything. It was because I was in the middle of the game and I had to go to the bathroom really bad in a way that uh, uh, I was going to get bad real quick. And luckily we were doing poorly enough. Someone queued up a forfeit vote, which I supported, and then nothing happened. So I was just like, all right, just quitting, getting out of here. Uh, uh you know, I'll go take care of my business and come back uh, for some more matches. But that was, uh, that was kind of fun. It just kind of reminded me of uh, Hermes and Futurama telling Fry to take a rage dump uh, when he was getting mad about uh, Bender. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly an experience. Uh, definitely been doing uh, a bit better in Rocket League lately. Though, uh, the other day I got... Into a match with a group that I found out uh, after we lost that they were, uh, their team name was We Sell Negroes. And they put a space between N E and Grows, and Grows is spelled like <sighs> plants. So I had to yeah. make sure I reported their team name, but I haven't seen any notifications that they've done anything for that. So, you know, there's still shitty people out there. Mm hmm. Uh, I've been playing some more Animal Crossing. 
Uh, I haven't been able to do too much in that this week. Just been super busy with work. Uh, so kind of just doing my thing there. And uh, the last thing is that I got a Yakuza Zero on Steam from Fanatical for under five bucks. Uh, so I got that installed and gonna be playing that here. Uh, looking forward to that. Got a really nice price uh, on that. So it was one of their like star deals. It was just for the day for how many ever, how many ever codes they had. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's been it. How about you, Dan Rob? Um, yeah, so I'm playing Streets of Rage 4, or rather, I've, I I uh, completed it in one sitting with my brother, and um, I was like, yeah, cool, finally I don't have to deal with uh, Riot Shield bullshit anymore. So, yeah, we were able to complete it in one sitting. <clears throat> um, we, we, we didn't, like, um, get any game overs, so that was cool. The game's a whole lot easier when, you, when, you, when you're not playing alone. And then after we beat it, I was like, wow, we did it. And then I uh, looked at the trophy list, and I was like, yep, I am not going to find on this game. So uh, that's that with that. Um, I also decided to pop in um, uh, A Realm Reborn for uh, FF14. I used my free month. And uh seems cool so far. Um, I'm enjoying like what little quests I have done, but I've only played for like an hour or two. Yeah, once I'm you also get a little to... overwhelmed by the map and uh, all the people. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it really picks up once you get to 15, but it makes a point to, um, as you were about to say about the map, introduce you gradually to Eorzea as a whole. Yeah. Uh, so so far, it's it, it's uh, not bad, though. It's, I'm still like getting uh, used to like how battling would be when you're online and things like that. But so far, yeah. I'm, I'm, I just love the intuitiveness of it. And uh, I would have played some more this weekend, but it's also been really hot. And uh, my room is the hottest room in the house, so I'm a little more careful there. Um, I also jumped back into DBC Kakarot. Um, my main problem with the game is with its pacing, because every time you talk to somebody on the quest line, the game just slows down tremendously. And then I don't really like when... Um, you're part of the main quest line, and when you're talking, you don't hear any voices because, the, you know, for DBC's um, voice acting is, in my opinion, always been been pretty solid, and it's tough to just like read all that. But at the same time, it's it's fun. Um, right now, I'm at the I'm at I'm at the tail end of the uh, Saiyan saga where we're fighting Nappa. And they're waiting for Goku. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm so glad they're following Kai, because if we had to deal with all the filler bullshit, it would be uh, <laughs> so much harder to deal with. Um, what else? And then I'm still playing Animal Crossing. I was able to finish the fossil part of the museum, and uh, people have been <clears throat> uh, moving out that I don't like, so it's cool having people <laughs> on my island that I actually want on there. So, yeah, that's about it. Oh, how do you get that in real life? What was that? I just said, how do you get that in real life? <laughs> yeah, people to move out that you don't Lovely like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess uh, that leaves Lee. Yeah. Pretty simple this week. Um, I fired up uh, Minecraft uh, Dungeons with the family yesterday, and uh, it's a cool game. But it, it's um, there's some shit that I don't like. Like you know, I come from playing like Diablo and, and things like that, so. I am with with dungeon crawlers and, and loot based games. There's a certain level of things, you know, uh, quality of life adjustments. I guess you could say that I expect. And Minecraft Dungeons does a lot of things really well. 
Um, but the one thing that I feel like it doesn't do well is loot. Um, you can't pass loot to anybody. Like what you get is soul bound to you. So like last night when I was playing with my wife and kid, my I'm playing with this shitty like level two sword and my wife and kid are getting drop after drop after drop after drop after drop of like killer weapons. And I'm just sitting here like an asshole. Oh, and that has to suck. it is so frustrating because it's like like my wife got these pair of like uh, poison scythes that I'm like, I would fucking love those. I'll murder motherfuckers with those. That'll be great. And and then, you know, she got like uh, she got like three of them. And they're just stuck to her. And yeah, like, you've just got a like a sharpened stick. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And you know, so that is something that I hope that they fix because I don't see how you get um, the longevity of like a dungeon crawler, where you know a big part of it is is the loot that you get and trying different builds and and all of that, and not being able to pass weapons like that is like a bare minimum type thing that I'm just shocked that they didn't they didn't fix especially, otherwise especially given that they're they seem to be hyping it as a co-op type experience and if you can't really do that fundamental thing it's like what are you guys doing yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah there's a lot of little weird little things with that like no matchmaking uh no cross play uh with other people on other platforms uh you can't pause yeah, that's something else that was really frustrating. If you if you're playing now again, I didn't play by myself. I played with them the entire time. But if somebody accidentally goes into a menu um, and there's enemies on the street, you're still gonna get fucked up. And then going into town at the end of it, um, if you want to sort your gear and the people that you're playing with want to sort your gear, there's only one screen. So after every time that we play a level. I have to wait 10, 15 minutes while Nathan and my wife go through their gear until I get to go through mine. God like damn. it feels like that's something that should have just been like, at least let that, at least let that be split screen, you know? Um, but instead it, it, you know, it puts everybody on the same screen and so then therefore everybody has the same menu. Um, so if I believe if you're in local play, you can't bring somebody in over online too. There's like lots of weird little things. Oh, really? That's something yeah. I, was, I want to check out because a friend of mine is playing it with his daughter. Yeah. And he was yeah, like, to play we should local, totally you have to be in together. offline mode. And to be in, you know, actually have add people online, you have to be in online mode. Those are two incompatible. So it's like a lot of weird little things. Like, like they listened to some of the stuff that Diablo did well and other things they didn't. Yeah, and that 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 is that's interesting. And of course, you know, I mean, who knows? I'm sure they'll keep patching it and all of that. And I, and I think overall, for the quality of you know, it's, it being a twenty dollar game, I'm pretty impressed with the the performance. Um, even when we had just a shit ton of enemies on the screen, and there's you know three of us flailing away, um, you know, I didn't notice any dips, um, which was cool. Uh, my son is just super into it because he's been you know playing Minecraft for years, and so like when we ran into what is an Enderman or whatever, he lost his shit. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. We're going to whoop his skinny little ass. And, uh, you know, so. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to keep playing that. In fact, they want to play that as soon as I, I get done with the podcast. So I'm going to run upstairs and see how that does. But, yeah, something like not being able to share loot uh, just just strikes me as really glaring. That's a terrible um, I, That's a terrible decision. Yeah. So that and, and then, again, you know, you know, you're playing locally. Like, that's the other thing. Like, like speaking to what Chris said, um, it is interesting because if you're playing locally – it feels like um, the game just wasn't designed to 
recognize that there's more than one person. Like I said, when I talk about the menu screens and, and just different, different facets of it, you know, my wife is an impatient person too. So like, you know, you're sitting there, I'm sitting there playing something with her or we're going through the menu systems or or whatever. And she's just getting irritated, you know, like, so I got to sit here 15 minutes and watch you figure out how you're going to do, you know, sell your junk and, and all like that's something. So if you know, the more people that you have on there, they should have just condensed the screens and let you yeah. work on that independently. So that's one of the things like Diablo on consoles did really well was make the local experience really done, really well done. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and this one also feels like, uh, it's really well, uh, it's really designed around the torment system that Diablo had of increasing difficulty. Cause the, yeah. the base ones, they start to honor dead easy. They're just very boring. Yeah, I will uh, say something that I got to give them credit for um, is the um, the game itself. You know, based on the different levels that you're playing, um, throws a lot of stuff at you in terms of like environmental um, interaction. You know, traps. Like, do you guys remember in, in old ass Double Dragon One where you were in the the last uh, level? And the the wall would fucking shoot out yeah. at you, you know. Like there's stuff like that in the game, which is is just pretty neat. Um, so I got to give them credit for that. Like there's environmental traps and and um, a lot of variation based on what I've seen so far. Um, that I just I think has been again speaks to you know whoever made this obviously gave a shit, but again kind of feels like they also didn't think about everything. Yeah. Which is, you know, that part is a little frustrating. So, but hopefully they'll um, they'll fix it. You know, hopefully they should because they're already advertising their new DLC. Yeah, on the map. Yeah, so we'll see how that does. But you know, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with it because it's also something I think that's really cool for kids. Um, yeah, there's not many that are kid friendly. Right. Of this I type. think. Yeah, and I think that part is really cool. So I've been doing that. I've been going back through Trails in the Sky. Um, yes. Because I, I never finished that, the OG one. And so I mm. found um, they they did ports of FC, SC, and uh, uh, third uh, for the Vita. You just oh, have they to, did more than that. Yeah, but you have to get um, – yeah, they're remasters. But you have to have a, a hacked Vita. Um, and so I, I – you know, my Vita's hacked. And so I got the translation patch. And so I've been going back through that game and – uh, really enjoying it. Forgot how text heavy it was, um, but still just having a lot of fun. Still can't find any red sepith, which is driving me fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, so I've just been playing that in my in my free time when I can. I think the regional there. drops. Yeah. Well, and again, I funny part is I've forgotten everything. Like I don't really remember much of the story. And like I said, I never finished the first one. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna buckle down and 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 being able to play it on Vita is really important to me because of the the portability aspect. So I can sit in my living room when my wife is watching something, um, or my kid is playing something, and then that way I'm still upstairs, you know, with them rather than what I'm doing now, you know, if I'm playing games, which is usually being downstairs and like taking over the TV and so being able to play uh, uh, FC, SC, and then the third on the Vita and be able to have that kind of, um, through line with them is something that, that really kind of made me buckle down and go, all right, well, this is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to play it and I'm going to enjoy this. So I'm doing that. And then, um, I beat Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I'm just now getting into the Atlantis DLC. I've done some of the other DLC, which is like, uh, like I think it's called Legacy of the First Blade or something like that. It, it's nothing really to write home about the, the Legacy of the First Blade stuff, but, um, uh, the Atlanta stuff is, is, oh my God, it's gorgeous. Like, I cannot yeah. believe how 
beautiful it is. Um, and this is the first Assassin's Creed game really since um, Brotherhood where it has hyped me up for the next one. Um, you know, I felt like with every, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed that came out after the Ezio trilogy, um, I got less and less interested in, and really Assassin's Creed three kind of broke me. That game was fucking terrible. And I have not really until origins been able to play one to completion. And like origins had interesting DLC that I wanted to do. But by the time that I got through and got through the main game, I was like, I don't want to do any more. Odyssey has been the opposite. I beat the game and I was like, I, I, I want to legitimately keep playing. I want to see what kind of crazy stuff that they've added in the, in the uh, Atlantis DLC. So, um, the other thing that it's done is it's really served to hype me for, um, for, uh, whatever it's Ragnarok, Valhalla, whatever the fuck it's called. Assassin's Creed Viking. Um, I'm really, really curious to see what they do with this one. And, um, I just hope. That, you know, I know that part of it is they're going to have you go to like England and, and all of that, but I just hope it doesn't have the problem that three did, which was three was in a very interesting time period. But, you know, a big part of Assassin's Creed is climbing shit and everything in Assassin's Creed three was like two stories at most, you know, so I, I hope I hope due we don't have setting. that issue. With, yeah, due to the setting. Exactly. So I hope we don't have that issue with Valhalla, but. Um, or Ragnarok, whatever it's called. Anyway, wow. I'm really, this, this has served to really get me excited for that. And, and Odyssey is just a fantastic game. I really think everybody should play it. And it is still too big. I think there are a lot of things that I haven't done in it. Um, but I've just had a blast. And, and, uh, there is, I think I've told you guys this before. I have this thing about throwing people down pits. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Or knocking people off cliffs. And the Spartan mm. kick is like, like I'll go raid, you know, um, encampments you know where there's soldiers and there always seems to be like one guy that's overlooking something and there's nothing in front of him like there's no barrier so i can walk right up behind him and kick that motherfucker and then just watch him sail down you know and it's one of the best things to do an outpost just go up on the tower <laughs> yep anger them and just watch them climb up and like all right kick you off boom yep and then boot them off yeah exactly it is so much fun um and the mercenary system especially keeps you engaged I remember in For Honor, like I would just like lead people off near cliffs and then just do one kick and they're gone, and I take their rank. It was great. Mm-hmm. It's so it's it's literally one of the most satisfying like attacks in any game that I've ever played. Just because, uh, yeah, I would I would go into encampments, I go into bases, I bait people, I'd run up to the highest spot, and and then just wait till they came up the ladder and kick the shit out of them. You know, and there's later in the game you get a, an ability where like she hits the ground with her hand. And she'll send people flying. So it's like the Spartan kick, but it hits like five people. And so, yeah, I would just literally like run in circles, wait for him to get up close to me and just not, it'd be like, like watching bowling pins go flying, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's the only thing. Like if there is not an attack like that in the new one, I don't know that I'm going to be able to play it. Like that is like fundamentally, <laughs> I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's fundamentally changed how I approach combat in that game. Like it's one of the reasons I don't think I can go back to Origins. Like I really am interested in Origins DLC, but um, and I can dispatch people much quicker in Origins because of the way the weapon system works with like poison and fire and stuff like that. But uh, there's just nothing as, as satisfying as a Spartan kick. Like, I mean, you guys, I'm telling you, I would get into fights with people and I'd be like, is there a cliff around here? Or is there some way, like, can I climb up something just a little bit and boot this motherfucker off? Um, yeah, it, that's it, what I did when I got the ire of like three mercenaries. Mm-hmm. So I was just up on a building and just like, all right, just come to me. We'll kick oh, it. Baby. Yep. 
Yeah. So and it and there's there's so much you know with the with the the game that's just fun. Like the, another one, another really satisfying is attack is you know since you're in that um, that Grecian period or Grecian period, a lot of, a lot of people have shields and there's one of the very first skills that you can get is um, a thing to disarm them. And once you get yeah. that to level three, when you disarm them, you actually make their shield explode and they also go flying. So I'm, yep. guess what I made them do? I'd get them near a cliff. If I couldn't kick them, if my kick was on cooldown, I'm taking your shield and I'm sending you flying off the edge. So yep. there are not enough pits in Streets of Rage 4 for my um, – just for my money. That might be the yeah. thing that keeps it from being game of the year for me. <laughs> not enough pits. At least they so, have them. They do, but there's only – they're few and far between. Like They even included an achievement for them. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that elevator level that? was the best, knocking yeah. everybody off. So anyway, but yeah, that's it. It always that's, is. So yeah. I have to circle back to the Assassin's Creed um, topic for a second because one of the games that I've actually accumulated is the Ezio trilogy, which is okay. now sitting on my PS4 external hard drive. Um, what kind of investment should I expect to make in this? Well, those are old school Assassin's Creed games, meaning that they're short. Yeah. They're like I think. AC2 is maybe 20, 25 hours long. And each okay. of the games are that way. They're 20, 20 to 30 hours long. Um, combat is not that interesting, I think, compared to the newer ones. But, um, you know, it, the the games are influence very... influence the Arkham series. Yeah, they're very... Desi- they're very much designed around being stealthy, running up and stabbing a motherfucker in the neck. Um, yeah. And they're very satisfying. Assassin's Creed 2 um, is still, I think, the best in the series. Um I could not get enough of that game. Um, yeah, the ending is one of the best endings I've seen in a game. Just to give me like going, holy shit, I have to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah, and I would also argue, um, I think that Ezio has one of the best character arcs of any video game character that I've ever seen because he very much, across the three games, and then they have like a 15-minute like a movie. Um, that's like an epilogue for the series. So across the three games from the Ezio trilogy, you, he really very much has a, a beginning, middle, and an end, and is extremely satisfying. Uh, and I think he's an extremely well-realized uh, character. Um, and so, yeah, if you have those, I absolutely recommend playing them. Um, combat, you know, again, is, is is hit or miss. If you haven't played the newer ones, then I don't think the combat in the old ones would bother you. I haven't played newer, older. Okay. Like yeah. I have not played an Assassin's Creed game as of yet. Yeah, Assassin's Creed Two and 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 Brotherhood are fantastic. I can't remember what's the name of the third one. Um, uh, that one they didn't have uh, a subtitle. It was just Assassin's Creed. 2. No, it was just Assassin's Creed Three. No, 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 no. The oh. third one in the Ezio trilogy. It had it was. Brotherhood, oh, it's the one that takes Revelations. Revelations. Ascension or something. Revelations. I don't know what it is. Revelations. Revelations. Yeah. Revelations is the only one that I feel is bloated. Like they're, they're, they have like a tower defense game in it, but you don't really have to engage with that. Um, nope. what, ha- what happened with that is, is there's, there's some extra stuff added in Brotherhood. Um, because, you know, it was a game that came out a year later and, and Ubisoft seemed very, um, in love with the idea of like, okay, well, if we're going to be putting something out, you know, the next year, we can't really just refine the gameplay elements. We need to add new stuff as well. And that ended up becoming a real, problem in the games later on um but it, it doesn't really affect the the Ezio trilogy that much just the third game had some bullshit i don't like tower defense games uh, mm-hmm. but i think I, I think you only have to do the tower defense twice um but then also has some other stuff you know that's cool the other thing too pat that is just really really uh phenomenal about particularly Ezio's trilogy um 
is the attention to detail in some of the places that you visit. Uh, That's always good. Yeah, I mean, and it's and there's there are um, there's a giant codex as well. So like when you go to um, certain historical places, you know, you can read about them. Uh, they'll give you a little voiceover too, saying like this stuff happened in this place, and it's it's a really it's it's a lot of fun. So yeah, if you have those in your on your hard drive, I definitely recommend playing them. And like I said, they're I think I'm I'm at like 110 hours in Odyssey. I mean, you can complete all three of those games. I would think in 50, 60 hours tops. Nice. So okay. Also, Leonardo da Vinci is your tech guy. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the he's the dude in the chair. So yeah, I would like them to either remaster or remake one. Because that would be fun to see in this day and age, and that version on the consoles sucked. Oh, it's bad. So I remember getting to the end and like, let's just put all the NPCs in front of the door you need to go through, so this just runs like ass right at the end yeah. of the game. <laughs> yeah, and it's like oh. I get what they're doing for, but it crashed a bunch, and it's like this is yeah. this is not a great ending experience for what the rest of it was really unique for the time. Hmm. Yeah, AC one felt like like so like the way Ubisoft has always worked that I've seen is that they put out a game, right? And it has a bunch of ideas, like a new franchise, right? They put out a game and it has a bunch of ideas, but it always kind of feels like it's the framework, kind of like the house without the the sheetrock in there. So it doesn't have walls, but you have the general framing. Um, And then usually the next one that they bring out is, wow, they did everything right. And that was a huge part of the transition between between Assassin's Creed 1 and Assassin's Creed 2. Um, Yeah. And I feel I feel really similar. Uh, something similar happened with Origins uh, to Odyssey, um, where Origins lays a lot of groundwork for what Odyssey does. But Odyssey pretty much does everything that Origins did, but better. Um, and I think I think Assassin's Creed Two is is the biggest example of that that I can think of. Like I could not get enough of that game. The other portion of it too, Pat, that you will probably enjoy, is their side quests. But there are a number of tombs in Assassin's Creed Two that harken back to like older Prince of Persia stuff. So the environment is the puzzle and you go there to get pieces of this assassin's armor. And once you've completed all of them, Ezio gets a completely different set of gear. Um, and every, like, I wish we still would see more of that kind of thing in the series. It tapers off in those games and then it kind of just disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, they have tombs and stuff in, uh, in origins and odyssey, but it's just, you know, you get a skill point at the end of it. Um, Whereas with this one, you know, you get armor that makes you substantially more powerful and it looks fucking awesome. Um, but you know, you would go in like there's, there's one that's in a church, um, like this giant cathedral and it's about getting to like the top of it. And I think it probably took me like half an hour and it's just so satisfying. And there's a bunch of those throughout the game. Um, but it, it does harken back to that, like the sands of time, Prince of Persia, like where you go in and it would drag the camera around, like this is where you need to get to now figure out how to get there. Um, but it does it with the parkour system of, of Assassin's Creed, and it is so satisfying. I still wish they'd bring back uh, more of that stuff. It, it is so good. So, yeah, give it a shot. I'd love to I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, well, like I said, I've got all of what would have been E3 week off, so I, I was kind of – I'm kind of gauging how my, um, how my time expenditures will go. And, yeah, it sounds like it's the ideal place to jump into the series. So – yeah, because one got me excited has, about that. One hasn't aged well at all. Uh, I tried to play the PC version the other day, and it was like, yeah, these controls suck. Um, yeah, that was also an era of Ubisoft on PC that was not great. Yeah, so <laughs> two is probably your best place to start. Yeah. Cool. I'll give it a look. All right. 
All right, so uh, before we get to the discussion topic of the week, uh, we're going to just go over a couple of freebies here that we got. Uh, of course, we've got a new month here, so uh, that means new PlayStation Plus and Games with Gold uh, games. Uh, PlayStation Plus, uh, kind of a one-note month because you got Star Wars Battlefront 2. So, big AAA shooter, and uh, Call of Duty World War II, so big AAA shooter. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm not even much for shooters, but I can recognize the value there. Yeah. And World War II is already out. They released it this past Tuesday. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously to tie into Memorial Day <laughs> stuff. Because, of course. Yeah, that's mm. the Call of Duty thing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Star Wars Battlefront 2 for people that have not bought into it yeah or have you access or anything like that yeah so you know yeah. if you got solid uh, games pretty solid games if you got uh playstation plus you know go ahead and download those those uh probably get some enjoyment out of those yeah uh on the xbox side we've got uh shanty and the pirate's cove so pirate's curse sorry cove yeah i think it's, it's a solid ass game, game. yeah solid game yep that's all right yeah, you got that. You got uh, Coffee Talk. Uh, Dude, I'm so glad you said that, because when I saw the name of it, that's all I could think of. <laughs> yeah, anybody <laughs> of a certain age, is that that's exactly what they're going to think. Right. And then, oh, yeah. like, you think about the newer version that they did years ago on SNL, where it was like a Bronx beat or whatever, and it had Amy Poehler. And they were just like, yeah, we're having some coffee. Just have some coffee. We're going to go over there, and you need to get yourself a bra. <laughs> like, yeah. The minute I saw Coffee Talk, I'm like, I can't take this seriously. This bitch has got horns and this dude's got fucking ears, and all I can think about is SNL. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you're basically a barista and you're, you know, handing out coffee to people. So, yeah, in a world where uh, all the like D and D races are around, elves, orcs, yeah, and, uh, mermaids, and other fantasy races. It, it looks insane, and like I kind of want to play it, but uh, you know, as somebody at in, at some point in this game is going to have to say, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> just, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting all the clumped. Yeah. Uh, Need to see it. So. Yeah. Uh, then we got uh, Destroy All Humans. Uh, I think that's the Xbox 360 version. Xbox. Uh, Xbox yeah. original. Okay. Well, no, it says Xbox One and Xbox 360. Oh, it was BC on 360. Oh. Oh, yeah, that game didn't come out on 360. There was a crappy sequel that did, but. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, that's okay, uh, game. Yeah, and, it's uh, all right, I guess. It didn't give us the new one, which, uh, well, it is. I don't think out yet. So, but anyway. No. And then uh, Cinemora. So there you go. Yeah, that's a shmup made by Polish people, I believe. Yep. Uh, so it's very much in that kind of vein of uh, voice acting and style. Yeah. But also, Euro schmucks have their own kind of difficulty to them. It's not it's not strictly bullet hell, but there is there's there's something to them that's a little bit different than what the Japanese do. So yeah, yeah. a little more fair up front. Yeah, well, worth checking out. Uh, so that's our freebies. Uh, also, uh, right now on on EGS is uh, free is the Borderlands Handsome Collection. So yeah, if you yeah. Can get those games you could get uh, so so far the leak uh, has been completely accurate so uh, yeah though they've been getting out some other stuff as well because i think uh devolver digital put out their new game it was free on epic game store yep uh, i forget what it's called but uh the trailer yeah that's right the trailer on twitter 
the, the thumbnail prominently featured a cat with two buttholes. Yes. And that's the, that's the art. Yeah. I was like, all right, you got me hooked here. <laughs> See what's up with this two butthole cat. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm not sure what the next week is going to be. Um, according to the leak, don't know, but we'll see. Uh, so let's get I on to... What was that? I forget what it was. Yeah. We've already got I don't think this... it was as big as any of these other games, yeah, though. Civ 6 and Borderlands, so... Uh, yeah, I think the other one might have been Saints Row. I'm not sure, but anyway. It was GTA. Yeah. So, uh... So it's all... I mean, they're really... Stuff. They're really giving it away, but I, I'm still not interested. Not feeling it. No, I mean, I guess it would be cool if it weren't shit I didn't own, you know? Like, even, like, GTA, that was great that they were giving that away, just for the online component. Like, I, that that one surprised me, but I'm still just, like, like, guys, I develop software. These fuckers, there's so much missing from the platform. Like, I just, mm-hmm. it shocks me. Like, stop throwing money at this shit that you're giving away for free and throw it at your fucking, your business analysts and your fucking engineers and have them fucking make your store work. You know, I just no, you're not wrong. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that from a place of hate or anything else like that. It's just, goddamn, like you can tell. However, they're working in the background, their priorities are fucked up. <laughs> you know, because it's it's like a cart feature. Still, you know, like doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Still doesn't exist. And like Wish I've heard people does, be like, cart doesn't. yeah. I've heard people be like, well, you know, Nintendo doesn't have a cart feature in the eShop, too. Yeah, that fucking sucks, too, and Nintendo sucks, too. Like, Nintendo is still acts like they're in 2006 most of the time. Epic has no fucking excuse, especially now with the money that they're making. You can hire some more people and fucking make the cart work. If, I mean, if this is truly, like, an issue of, like, well, we don't have the resources, but you got the money. So at this <laughs> point, it's just a matter of, you're not prioritizing these things because you think that they don't matter. And the ironic part about that is, is for a platform that is trying to compete with something like Steam, you got to come out of the box and eventually, I mean, you're giving away shit, you know, it's still even wrong. I still think it's awesome they're giving away games, but it's not enough because the store still needs to fundamentally work. Anyway, I, we could go on a huge tangent about that. I just, that's just one of those things that just still, I'm like, you could, because you know, you guys know they had to pay Rockstar mad loot to give that shit away for free. Mm. But we don't have a cart function? Really? Well, my thinking is, you know, they're spending the money, and they're spending more money the more people that um, add those things to their account. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and add everything to my account so it costs them more money. Right. That Dude, I have, I have literally gotten my wife... Uh, set up with a store account and my son has one too and i'm just you know all right cool let's just add that shit yeah you know so, if uh, we ever decide to play because like if something good like we will probably play civ 6 on on uh the epic game store because i wasn't gonna buy it for everybody yeah. you know and i plus i would love to declare war on my family while i played gandhi <laughs> um so you know if you're gonna even get that give me that for free great cool but yeah. so. it's still just like but as a place that I would do business beyond what you're giving me for free. Uh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Well, they got my money for Tetris effect. So there you go. Uh, so let's get on to a uh, discussion of the week and it's SNK. Cause they've been kind of in the news lately. They've been doing a lot of stuff with, uh, uh adding rollback net code to a bunch of their old titles. They're, uh, doing some partnerships with limited run to get physical releases of, uh, 
uh, KOF 98 Ultimate Match. Uh, so that's going on right now. Um, uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff about SNK going on right now, but it's kind of important to like talk about how that company started. Um, and just walk through the history and, I don't know, maybe uh, our thoughts on what the... Um, our experience was with them and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll start off with a little bit of the history. And uh, so the company was, it's probably a lot of you know, founded in 1978 by uh, Kichi Kawasaki. Uh, 78 was right around the time where the arcade business was just starting to blow up. Uh, you know, Pong was a thing already then. And there was, uh, it was growing quite well all over the world. And uh, Akichi Kawasaki was like, yeah, this is a business I want to be in. So mm-hmm. started up SNK, and initially what they were doing was, you know, basically just clones of games that already existed. Uh, but that didn't last very long uh, before they started doing their own stuff. Uh, probably earliest example of uh, their uh, breakout hit for them was uh, Vanguard in the arcades. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the game that actually prompted them to start up an American branch of the company. So, got there. Uh, and uh, from there, well, they had a bunch of really good uh, arcade titles. Like, you know, the Akari Warrior series comes to mind. Uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. are very familiar with that. For me, uh, they had uh, well, Gorilla War was a really good one that I liked. Uh, yep. A game in which you uh, play... XP's of Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was. I'm not that. joking. That yeah. is, in fact, the original. Yeah, yeah. Kind of changed that a little bit for the NES version, but anyways. Just a little, yeah. just a smidgen. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so was that? Uh, you know, I remember, like back in uh, the well mid '80s, where uh, you know POW was a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was another one. Probably one of our earlier side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Yeah. I remember that one in the in the arcades, man. Fucking rolling through, looking like a Rambo wannabe, beating the shit out of people. I think was it green and red? Yeah. Like so, you guys, we got captured. Completely different camouflage. Yeah. Also, somehow uh, they managed to blow up their their cell door with I don't Mm -hmm. know what the fuck they were using, but because apparently the their captors are completely incompetent. But anyways. Uh, so that's, that's what kind of the, the the early days, kind of the, the typical type of stuff that you would expect them to do. Uh, yeah. During that whole time, though, a um, little company called uh, Alpha Denchi, ADK, as a lot of people know them as, uh, was using SNK's hardware for their own games. Yes. Which pr- prompted SNK to you know kind of partner up with them at one point for the Neo Geo's design. Uh Turns out uh, Alpha Denchi was working on their own arcade board at the time, um, they were, which is, you know, imaginatively called the Alpha System. Uh, but uh, with a little bit of uh, back and forth uh, with SNK, it eventually became the Neo Geo, and uh, ADK became a prime partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and a legend was born. It, yeah. Yep. Yeah, back when the Neo Geo came out in 1990... Uh, for arcade operators, at least, it was uh, kind of revelatory because as far as, um, you know, one of your most finite resources as an arcade operator is space. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you have a cabinet where you can have four games in there and people can decide what they want to play, uh, it was, you know, 
you know, it was very advantageous for them to have Neo Geo's in there because all of a sudden you can have a game that can make four times as much money. And that was something that was super cool to see in the arcades when you would go to their cabinet and it was like, damn, there's four of these in one. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you guys, but uh, like the Neo Geo could come in one, two, four, and six slot configurations. I yeah. have never seen a six slot in the wild. I haven't either. I've only seen two and fours. No, I've uh, I've only seen two and fours too. Yeah, I've seen. Possible well, the six two. ones are only in Japan. Yeah, and, and that's, apparently they were very they were a lot more limited because it seems like for arcade operators they probably thought that the uh, the four slot was probably the best you know bang for the buck that they could get. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the six slots uh, apparently were in this really large cabinet, um, mm-hmm. kind of like showcase mm-hmm. cab. Uh, remember those from yeah. the 90s oh yeah speaking of showcase cabinets <laughs> uh because whenever snk came out with a big new king of fighters game that's what ended up on the showcase cabinet yeah 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 which kind of brings us to what snk did become very well known for was their fighting apes yes uh, and when they started they had uh two fighting games that sort of became the standard bear for pretty much their entire fighting game series. Obviously, there's one other. Uh, there's a few other, but there's two that everyone remembers. First is, of course, Fatal Fury, which was kind of revolutionary because it it came up with the idea of like having like two or three planes on the stage that you can shift towards, even creating like environmental damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also sort of created sort of what became sort of like their main fighting gaming universe. Um, of course, the other game that came out was a, uh, let's be honest, a very clear Street Fighter 2 inspired fighting game that was called Art of Fighting. And, and that one is the game that we have responsible for inspiring the creation of Dan Hibiki. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, kind of. Hmm. Uh, because basically what happened is you got two, basically like in the original Art of Fighting, you've got two characters that you can play in the you know story mode. One of them is a very clear Ryu clone named Ryo. <laughs> hmm. uh, and then there's the other dude that you can play as who has the ponytail. I forgot what his name is. Robert Garcia. Uh, yeah. Um, and apparently one of the concept artists at Capcom was like, screw these guys. They're trying to hone in our territory. And so he drew a picture of, I guess it, it was Sagat, uh, basically holding a dude that was supposed to represent like a combination of both Ryu and Robert. So it looks like, like Rio, but with a ponytail and uh, that guy became Dan Hibiki <laughs> in Street Fighter Alpha. Yeah, which is you know kind of kind of weird because uh, the original you know creator of Street Fighter Takashi Nishiyama was like kind of involved in that. So mm-hmm. yeah, but he had you know gone off to SNK at the time. Um, you know, but, uh, if you remember the original Fatal Fury, that was. Uh, that came out around the same time as, as Street Fighter 2, and a lot of people were thinking that that game was kind of a ripoff of Street Fighter 2. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's no gameplay wise. They're the two are actually pretty different. Yeah, they were very um, different. But you know, like I said, that game was created by the original creator of Street Fighter. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, Takeshi Nishiyama. So it was kind of a spiritual sequel to Street Fighter. Um, and far, far better than it too. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, that basically, uh, and then I think it was in the Art of Fighting Two that came along when they actually uh, made Geese Howard the sort of secret final boss of that game, where they actually crossed both of them over and basically created an actual like sort of video game universe. Yeah. Yeah, Fatal Fury and Outer Fighting, yeah, they do take care, take place in the same world, yeah. which I think you know, King of Fighter does to some degree as well. But yeah, well, after a fashion, yeah. Well, King of King of Fighters is also sort of like the big, part of the big deal about, especially the original, uh, which I think was uh, wasn't the original King of Fighters, King of Fighters '94. Yeah, '94 with the fixed teams. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, also sort of brought back a bunch of their characters from some of their older franchises as well. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there was the stereotypical American team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the whole idea with, like, the fixed teams and everything was really cool. Um, yeah, that whole uh, – but, yeah, it's the only sort of, like, other – Major. I mean, they did a bunch of different fighting games. SMK did, but the you know, the other one that like ended up having a big lasting impact was uh, uh, what they called Samurai Spirits, but yeah, what we call Samurai Showdown over here. Yeah. Um, and that game actually got some of its inspiration from Mortal Kombat, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know that game was being developed around the time when Mortal Kombat one and two sort of came into existence and sort of showed the type of thing you can get away with when it comes to uh, blood and violence in a fighting game. Hmm. And so what SNK did is they sort of took the whole like historical sort of Chambara sort of samurai cinematic style and put it into a fighting game. And so the violence never seems exploitive. It just seems very stylish. Yeah, and it worked out really well and uh, started an entire franchise that runs um, to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if SNK was just a fighting game company, I think they would have done pretty well, but they weren't. No, uh, <clears throat> they did a bunch of other stuff, too. Yeah. Because yeah. we haven't even started about Metal Slug. Yeah, Metal Slug, that uh, <laughs> Contra-inspired uh, run-and-gun shooter. Uh, you know, they did mm-hmm. that. Uh, they housed the uh, you know seminal puzzler bust the move that was on the Neo Geo for you know several iterations. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> some great shooters in Paul Star, Blazing Star, you know, somewhat Last Resort. Uh, you know they did some pioneering stuff with uh, the Super Spy. That game wasn't mm-hmm. great, but technically you got to look at it and go, holy crap! You know, to to do first person like that, even though it was basically on rails and. Yeah, you were just kind of walking around from side to side. It's true. It still looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't forget Cross Swords. I think that, that series gets uh, overlooked a lot by a lot of people. Uh, Cross Swords 2 especially is amazing. Yeah. Ninja Combat? And not so much. <laughs> also, yeah. And uh, see, there's also uh, 
a King of the Monsters. Yep. Which, uh, and of course, there's World Heroes, which is probably one of the more, probably the most bizarre fighting game franchise they created. Um, yeah, Alpha Denshi, um, at the helm of that one. So, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, you could play, oh, amongst other characters. Uh, let's see, there was a football player possessed by a demon. Uh, there was a guy who was supposed to be Rasputin. Um, the game really went off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, so it's okay, it had all of this Don't going get me wrong, it had a lot of ideas that were way ahead of their time. Yeah. <laughs> so they had all I of this the, going. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. Good. Go ahead, Leo. I was just going to say, I think the most interesting part for me when I think about SNK specifically is that um, their output, you know, at the time when when everybody was making a fighting game was really, really interesting. And I think that they really tried some some interesting ideas. Like, you know, when you had the the Fatal Fury games, which were, you know, really Street Fighter clones, and then you had the Art of Fighting, which was really a Street Fighter clone. But then you come in and you do things like World Heroes, which is, you know, definitely has some of that DNA, but it's 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 different. And definitely, like to Pat's point, kind of went off the rails too. Uh, but then, you know, you go further down that line and you come in with Samurai Showdown, which was very different um, than than a lot of what was out there. Definitely took some of its uh, some of its you know flashiness from Mortal Kombat, but you know, obviously was was a, you know a two D pixel art game uh, that was very different than anything that was out there. And I think what's what's interesting about SNK is that. For a time, I think they were very experimentative, um, but then they really, truly got into just kind of refining. And I think that they're one of the groups that made Capcom really, um, really up its game because, you know, when Street Fighter 2 was out, it was really just about refining Street Fighter 2 and not putting out a ton of different uh, types of fighting games. Capcom really didn't do that um, until, what was it, Pat? Was it CPS 2 with like the Alpha games and Darkstalkers and, and all of that? Um, and and I don't think that they would have done that had SNK not been out there just like slapping out different kinds of games that had or different kinds of fighting games that had different types of uh, mechanics. I think they really kind yeah. of led Capcom and 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 going. There's you know this audience is much bigger than just you know um, an audience that just wants to see two guys punching each other. You know you can bring uh-huh. in the swords, you can do some of this crazier stuff. And then I think I really think Capcom took a lot of that uh, forward as with the stuff that they were making in the alpha era um, and where you saw stuff like dark stalkers come out, you saw the X-Men games come out, um, you know, and that led to some of the, some of the best fighting games of all time. And I think that's a truly a credit to SNK and how they weren't afraid to, for, for at least a while, I think they were not afraid to experiment and just put shit out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, if you look at SNK's like older games now, uh, a lot of them still look good. You know, uh, mm-hmm. even that even that original Fatal Fury game from back in you know ninety one, uh, it if you compare it to uh, Street Fighter Two at the time, it still looks good. And even yeah, you know th- that sprite work was really good. Um, yeah, it's not like well, that's uh, the that's the beauty of sprites. I mean, uh, you put enough work into the sprites, it's basically timeless. Yeah, yeah. Unlike you know older polygon games, which look like blocky messes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, and they and they were that that was something again when we talk about the type of when I think of SNK, I really do think about refinement, and you know as you look at what they did with their technology later, 
Um, you know, they weren't really coming up with new stuff. It was just, let's get this old shit that we have to do things that, that, you know, people weren't expecting. And then when they finally ran out of tricks to do with that, it was, look, we're just going to make this stuff look and animate as fluidly as we possibly can. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why, you know, you still see a lot of their games out there, not only just because of the sprite work that, you know, kind of looks, kind of makes it look timeless, but also, you know, the animation levels, especially in some of their later titles is really just stunning. And it's not just the character work. It's the background work. Like if you go and just Google, you know, fighting game backgrounds, some of the most beautiful ones are from SNK mm-hmm. and just the different mm-hmm. types. Like there was one, I can't remember what game it was in. It was in one of the King of the Fighters where the, it's uh, I want to say it's like a Japanese temple or, or something along those lines, and it starts out and it's sunny, and then the next time you fight on it, it's raining, and just the amount of animation just with the the ripples and the waves from the uh, the water going down the roofs, you're just like holy shit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and that, you know, I'm one of those people that's probably, it's probably a little bit weird to say out loud, but, you know, I, I think there's a, a tremendous amount of artistry in a lot of these backgrounds that, that came from this time period that I feel is, is really kind of missed and undersold. But like, yeah, just Google like fighting game backgrounds from, from the nineties, you know, you'll see some absolutely stunning stuff. And a lot of it's from SNK. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of backgrounds, well, uh, Around the mid-90s, getting on to the late-90s, polygons were starting to become a thing. And, of course, SNK needed to get in on that because a lot of people were feeling that the Neo Geo was becoming a little long in the tooth. Um, Which led us to the Hyper Neo Geo 64. Um, Not exactly a high point in SNK's lifespan. Uh, We'll just put it out there. you know, it, it basically undid all of the stuff that was right about the Neo Geo. For instance, uh, having multiple cartridges in one particular cabinet. You couldn't do that with the Hyper Neo Geo 64 because of its design. Uh, and uh, a lot of the games were tailored more towards dedicated work. Uh, so you had, like, gun games. Well, there was one gun game. And then uh, you had, the, what was it, Samurai Spirits? Uh, was that Sen? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Fatal Fury Wild Ambition, um, which, yeah, that didn't yeah. look good. Um, so needless to say, the Hyper Neo Geo 64 did not end up s- selling very well. Uh, I think there were a total of uh, five or six games that, that came out for the system. Uh, and uh, SNK abandoned that platform very, very quickly uh, in oh, favor yeah. of the Neo Geo. Uh, because that was still working. Uh, for them, and it continued to do so until, well, I think the Neo Geo like tapped out around 2003. I want to say yeah, when they stopped making uh, actual games for it. Uh, although I think the uh, production had wound down uh, a couple of years uh, prior to that. Um, but yeah, that was about the time when things started getting a little bit sour uh, for SNK. Financially, they weren't doing too well. Uh, and, uh, of course, there was that deal with uh, Aruze. Um, mm-hmm. Pat, which you have um, uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with that video, I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I... Um, it was just some Korean firm that was building up assets to kind of digest them um, at a profit. Um 
Yeah. Not really much else to add there. I mean, companies like that are a dime a dozen. And yeah. Well, initially, I mean, what they were doing was uh, putting money into SNK. They they you know renamed it SNK Neo Geo, and things seemed to be yep. going okay. Uh, yep. But then they decided that you know we're just going to focus on Patchy Slot and uh, just exploit all those IPs for that and forget about the Neo and Geo. cut their losses basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah, um, the development kind of fell into the hands of Aeolith for a while. Um, that's a that's a Korean team that has worked in the King of Fighters and Samurai Showdown series off and on over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, they did all right with it. Yeah, and then um, more money moved around, and I want to say it was Kawasaki-san actually managed to rebuy his company with capital he built on his own on the side. Mm, And that was when SNK Playmore happened. Yeah. And that was the start of, well, uh, kind of a revitalization for SNK. Uh, Yeah, it would still go through several hands under that name, but um, that was the beginning of the form they would take for sort of the Dark Age. Yeah. Um, yeah. King of Fighters development fell into the hands of a fan that just got the attention of the company. Um, he would lay the groundwork for both King of Fighters 2003 and the um, the Maximum Impact games, and then um, and of course, as soon as the Maximum Impact games get really good, um, the the game that really captures that we don't get over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. we got the first two, which were not so hot. And then Regulation A comes out, and it's fucking amazing, and nope, we don't get it. Yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of ironic. I find that uh, you know Kawasaki at the, up until that point was you know kind of working with what he had and then decided that... Uh, you know, the best thing for uh, for us would be to uh, get out of the arcade business and go into patchy slots. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what was going on there, but it was what it was. And thankfully, um, Japanese patchy slot laws were um, not really hospitable. Yeah, they were getting a lot more stringent at that time. Yeah, because organized crime and all sorts of other things. Um Try to figure out where we are in the timeline, if you will, because I, I think we're getting ready to. Um, so the we're past the Falcon stuff, and now we're kind of on to things like uh, King of Fighters twelve and thirteen, and uh, Samurai Showdown Sin. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the era before um, yeah, Kawasaki would uh, sell off. Uh, it's. Yeah. Well, there was something between Kawasaki-san and um, Leo Millennium. Yeah, Leo Millennium hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, um, but um, neither has the sort of interim ownership that I'm trying because because um, that was the case for much of those intervening years, and that's something I'm a little less <laughs> a little less clear on in the timeline. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done done the reading on it, and it's it is confusing as all hell, uh, the, especially those last few years. Uh, yeah, a lot of very very 
odd things happen. And depending on who you talk to and what article you read, you get different answers. Um, yeah, it's it's no it's no um, it's no accident that I kind of glossed over that aspect of it in the video. Yeah, uh, but eventually, uh, Kawasaki would sell off, sell off his stock to Leia Millennium, uh, and that would be around the, the 2013 2014 mark. Uh, yeah, and, uh, that is where we started to see the reformation of SNK. Um, yeah, that was when they started hiring all the old heads like um like Oda. <laughs> yeah. And as many of the other old guards as they could get their hand, hands back yeah. on were still willing to jump uh, to jump in. Uh and the, I mean the concern back then was that uh yeah, it's a Chinese company, they're just going to do the same thing and exploit the uh IP. Um but it was very clear from the announcement and uh that um, the person who was, you know, basically footing the bill, uh, was a fan of old SNK. Pretty much grew up on it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were doing the show back then, mm-hmm. like right around that time. And I remember kind of guessing that was, that was the nature of the new ownership group kind of, um, grew up in Chinese arcades, um, Nouveau Rich from getting um, from basically cashing in as uh, capitalism sort of worked its way into the Chinese system and um, you know I, in that position if I were in their shoes hell yeah I'd be looking at some of my favorite video games from my own childhood that I could possibly invest in and you know and resurrect and so it made perfect sense to me that that was going what was going on with leo millennium and sure enough what they do is pretty much go out of their way to build the old company from the 1990s back and then fund the hell out of it yeah and uh, i mean the results kind of speak for themselves we got a fantastic king of fighters game so far uh, yes, fourteen, which is about as in as good a place as you could expect uh, it to be. Uh, and they started re-releasing all of the things. Yeah, re-releasing all of the things, or adding online play to all of the things. Uh, you know, which, given that uh, a lot of these games have been released, you know, for years, uh, the fact that they're dusting them off and taking the time to add netcode to them, uh, yes, just kind of speaks to uh the intent of this company it's like uh yeah we're we're kind of treating this in good faith um and then of course we got you know samurai showdown uh which as far as i'm concerned is an absolute masterpiece of a fighting game yes like it's the only it's the only fighting game that i'm playing regularly at the moment yeah which coming from me should say a lot yeah because uh you know the samurai showdown is one of those games that it looks gorgeous that's you know what that's typical for snk uh, that's pretty much the same visual design that street fighter 4 had yeah and if you if you really break it down then that's not really um there's not really a noticeable difference in the art direction there but it just fits Samurai Showdown so well. Yeah. And, yeah. But also, um, 
it's a game that you can uh, instinctively get into and play. Uh, there is, you know, there's a little bit of a tutorial that you can, uh, that you'll probably want to go through. Uh, yeah. Because there's a couple of mechanics that aren't exactly self-explanatory. But for the yeah. most part, just like you could in the 90s, you could jump in and get good. Well, they hired the perfect producer for it. Yeah. Neo G. Ishizawa. Yeah. Um, I mean, you bring, you take probably the most tactical 2d fighter like obsessively tactical hmm. the there is almost no combo execution or um you know twitch gameplay to speak of in samurai showdown hmm. it's all decisions and you take the guy who brought a street fighter three third strike and you put him in charge of it hmm. This was really the only reasonable outcome, the only <laughs> yeah. realistic outcome. Yeah. And so uh, that's where we are right now. We've got uh, King of Fighters 15 has been announced. Um, yes. So, you know, we don't have a lot of info to go on there. That's, you know, maybe we'll hear more of that in the next few weeks. I mean, Evo is probably. Positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Evo would have probably been the place where we heard that, but that, since that's not really happening, they're probably going to rejigger things a little a bit. To and you'll notice they are pretty much just puking up announcements right now. Yeah. There is activity going on, and lots of it. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if by, by August we know pretty much um, everything that they're going to be doing for the next two years. Yeah. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised, given that, you know, King of Fighters has been resurrected, Samurai Showdown has been resurrected, the only logical place to go at this point is Garou. Yeah, and Oda wants to do it. Yeah. It's a shame that they didn't um, see if they could get Neo G interested in that one, Hmm. because, um, I mean, that is... He he developed the other side of the same coin during those years. He made Third Strike. Yeah. Let him do a sequel to Garo, and I think uh, magic would happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, I completely agree. And I would also say that uh, you know we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter Two. We're coming up on the 30th anniversary of Fatal Fury. Yep. You know. Yeah. I mean. Capcom isn't fit for a really good crossover right now, but Street Fighter is, you know, is always going to be pretty well positioned for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, uh, at this point, uh, given the, the track record <clears throat> that SNK has, mm-hmm. um, I think there's probably enough confidence between the two companies that they could probably do it. Um, I, I think there had to be a period of growth for, for the new company to just yeah. prove that they're going to be sticking around. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it might be the time. Who knows? Yeah. If anyone's not, um, if anyone's not prepared for that sort of uh, crossover at this point, it's Capcom because Street Fighter is really the only brand that they've been nourishing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would be totally on board with a Fatal Fury versus Street Fighter back to the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. You know, make that the theme of the game and just ride with it. And you could have probably use it to 
make some character selections that you might not otherwise do with, say, a Capcom versus SNK3. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. Well, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I do know is, uh, you know, for me, SNK seems like uh, one of those stories where y- you don't hear about too often. It's like usually a company goes under and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. But something like this happening and coming back to a point where they're actually successful again and they're successful in uh, a way that they're not having to do most of the AAA bullshit that a lot of companies mm-hmm. are doing. Yep. Um, Which they've never been about anyway. Yeah. But it's easy to fall into that trap. The, yeah, and they, they have always been perfectly content making games that would run on a potato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that's where we are. And so let's get uh, on to the rest of the the stories. And we got SNK. <laughs> uh, the yep. Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection is uh, coming soon. And uh, yeah, um, going to be free at launch on the Epic Game Store. Yeah, a lot to unpack with this one, too. I didn't even know. Hmm. Like, um, so it's seven games, which is kind of weird because you think... Okay, you got one through four. You've got five and five special. That's six games. But after five special, you go to six, and that was on the Atomus wave. Yeah. And it turned out there was a version of Samurai Showdown Five that they were getting ready to to unload. Um, that they didn't announce. Nobody knew about it. Called Samurai Showdown Five Perfect. Yep. And um, it's been taken out of mothballs, and they're including it in the um, in the package deal. And every game in the package is going to have the rollback netcode that they've been um, that they've been applying to all of their legacy titles that have that are online enabled. So, mm-hmm. uh, holy shit! Like. Um, what strikes me a little bit strange is that Samurai Showdown 5 Special is getting um, online play in this collection because there's a standalone version of it on modern platforms right now yeah. that has online play in the very same netcode that this collection is going to have. So um, is it just going to be able to talk to the standalone version natively or is it going to run off of two separate matchmaking services. I don't know how they're going to make that one work yet, but the the rest of the package just sounds brilliant to me, and I I saw the trailer with all of the bonus features. I can't fucking wait for this. Yeah. Yeah, this looks like a really, really well-done collection, and you know they've got plenty of stuff in their repertoire that they could give this treatment to. Uh, oh, yes. So I hope this is like uh, the first of what I hope is many. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like a full King of Fighters anthology, uh, just go nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, go 94, oh, 2000, 2004, 2003, just go for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so there's that. 2003 uh, would be the end of the Neo Geo run. And then you have, um, 11, which was 11 in, in Neo wave were the two Atomus wave games. <laughs> Yeah, and then they moved on to the Taito hardware with yeah. twelve and thirteen. 
Uh, other uh, Epic Games Store news, Samurai Showdown 7 is going to be uh, showing up there on June 11th. I guess it took them that long to uh, uh, integrate Epic's um, you know, online features in there, because obviously you don't want to run a Samurai Showdown uh, game without the online play, because that would be dumb. Mm-hmm. So that's coming for you. Uh, what else have we got coming up? Street Fighter V Champion Edition Season 5. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. And, and they're um, they're saying it's the final season, which mm-hmm. everyone kind of knew if they were if there was even going to be a season that this was going to be it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying it's going to have five new characters. I have a suspicion it's because there is a sixth character, Dan Hibiki, that they cannot justify charging for <laughs> because. Well, there's got to be an understanding that if you're going to charge money for a character in a fighting game, then that character has to be able to reasonably compete. Mm. Yeah. And Dan's entire concept as a character is that he cannot reasonably compete. No. He's there to give yourself a handicap He's... against new new players or to just troll people. He that is the is... franchise's butt monkey, basically. Yeah. That is his whole existence. And so I'm... I'm I'm suspecting that, that we're going to get a five character season pass, and then Dan is going to be the uh, the thank you inclusion. They would have announced probably at Capcom Cup if maybe still will if that's a thing they're going to do. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's how I see it happening. Yeah, that's, that's not based on anything. It's just um, well, it's based on my assessment of what's left. Yeah. That's right. probably the reason. So, uh, assumption. Yeah. Any idea who uh, these five characters are going to be? Like, any guesses or... I have guesses, but no uh, firm... No firm projections. Um, I think we're going to get one newcomer, and I, mm. I guarantee you who it is. It's Azam. Mm. Because he should have been in there from season yeah. one on, oh, as far as I'm um, I think there's going to be one sort of off the board character from uh, Street Fighter One, mm-hmm. like one of the ones that didn't get overexposed by Alpha and the Capcom versus SNK games and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be inclined to say Eagle, but I would also uh, leave the door open for that pick to be Retsu. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm guessing then, they're also going to throw in some uh, Street Fighter Three characters as well. Yeah, um, since I, you know that's it, sort of the whole idea for Street Fighter Five is that it's leading into the arc the, of the Street arc, Fighter yeah. Three. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Necro is going to be on that list. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's really difficult to call because um, they have documented through the story mode and through the arcade mode and. Um, you know, all sorts of materials that a lot of the character arcs from Street Fighter Alpha up through Street Fighter 2, which to a lot of people to this day, that still is the the heart of Street Fighter. That's where that's where all of the lore is really from. And obviously Third Strike is what is out in front. I mean, and even in 5, Street Fighter 3 hasn't happened yet. So you can you can kind of isolate that there are characters whose storylines have pretty much wrapped up, mm-hmm. 
And so I don't think we're going to be seeing, um, you know, a lot of fan favorites out of the selection. But I do think that, you know, okay, we've already said, like, Azam, Eagle or Retsu, Necro. I think the next two picks are going to be incredibly safe, so that would put Makoto right in there. Yeah, because doesn't her? I mean, she's uh, she's Ken's student, isn't she? She's uh, her dad's student. Like, oh, she's, her, she's got a completely different style from anybody. Mm. Uh, she's she's like a karate grappler. Yeah, uh, if you haven't played Third Strike, because um, oh, so she's a judo. No, um, oh. it's it's Rindokan karate, as they call it. Um, uh. Basically, it's it's very uh, high-impact striking, but she does have a command grab where she will pick you up, choke you, and leave you at a grotesque frame disadvantage. Mm. Like, enough frame disadvantage that you can unload a super. Mm. Ah. So, um, yeah, she's basically a force of nature in that fucking yeah. game. <laughs> All, but, right. All right, so um, you got that, then who would be the other safe? Ooh, My guess would be Elena, because... I mean, her story's kind of starting at this point, isn't it? Um, it's already started because of Street Fighter Four. Yeah, and she was in that, and it has happened. Um, I, I wouldn't say she would be a hard no, but I think because I, I don't think they're going to include um, two Street Fighter uh, three characters that were featured so prominently in Street Fighter Four. So that leaves out a lot of characters. Really, they might just do something. Uh, really, would they do Oro? They might do Oro. They could do Q. Well, they do Q. They've got to um, address the very obvious uh, tie, whatever it might be, uh, between him and G, because he might already be in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remy. So I think possibly they uh, <clears throat> maybe they put uh, Hagar in there finally. I uh, could see that. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Remy. Popular character comes from Third Strike. Was not in Street Fighter Four, so he's kind of um, he'd be kind of a newcomer to this recent generation of players that have come up since 2009. Right. Mm. Uh, and he is a very unique take on a play style that people are familiar with already. Mm. And I think you could do some very interesting things with the V system with him. Mm-hmm. So we really don't know what they're The gonna other do. pick that I would make is not even from uh, Street Fighter Three, and that would be Sodom, because they've already cooked up an absolutely fire redesign for him, and I'm pretty sure they don't want it to go to waste so yeah maybe it's mm-hmm. so could have them in there those are my thoughts on the matter yeah so yeah we'll uh, as time goes on we'll see what those uh, actually end up being <clears throat> but yeah. new stages coming yeah um if, if one of those isn't the street fighter 2 ken stage uh we riot mm-hmm. and um Honestly, I wouldn't mind like a a weather alternative for that one where you're having a heavy rainstorm. Yeah. 
Yeah, there is. Give it a it's a really nice rock remix. I mean, I would honestly say that Ken's Street Fighter Five theme is the best version of his theme since World Warrior. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's also one of those that you can always make better. You can always do something that hasn't been tried before with it. Like it, they made it jazzy with Street Fighter Alpha. They um, they made it almost epic with Street Fighter Four. There's a lot they can do with that, and I'd be interested to see where they could make it go uh, with the setting. Um, on the understanding that the aesthetic is that same harbor, just in an absolutely massive rainstorm. Mm. And you got to have a yacht there where the rich are getting thrown overboard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd even settle for the gawking like they do in Street Fighter Two. Mm. Just got to have that one lady who's pumping her arms, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. With just that many frames of animation, just yep, two. <laughs> uh, for the, for the extra uh, So we'll find out this summer uh, later on about what's going to actually be in this season, or at least the first one. Capcom tends to dribble east, and the announcements have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. so let's move on to the uh, it's about goddamn time department. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, soundtrack for Tetris Effect is now up on streaming services like uh, Bandcamp and Amazon. And, yeah, nice. Yeah. Bandcamp, YouTube, Music, Spotify, and Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can go listen to it there, or if, if you want to buy uh, buy it, you can do that and have offline copies, which is what I'll do, because uh, streaming is for pussies. It, it, it's one of those soundtracks you want to have. Yeah, especially, you know, lossless flack versions of it. Thank you very much, Bandcamp, because they're... I, I am kind of, still not... Used to having the hard drive space for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bandcamp is one of the only like places where you know you can kind of buy uh, lossless music. I mean, well, there's Tidal and stuff, but that's streaming, and there's HD tracks, but they don't really have much in the way of video game soundtracks, if any. So, you know, if you want high-quality video game soundtracks, Bandcamp is usually where you want to look. Yeah. Uh, so that's out now, and uh, go check it out. Mm, can't wait. Uh, let's see. Steam releases a beta of their Cloud Play tools. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, news to me. Yeah, okay. this kind of ties into GeForce Now uh, to kind of make it a bit easier for devs to support that stuff, uh, as well as allow them because I think GeForce Now just recently uh, changed their whole setup so that it's opt in versus opt out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which seems like a smart thing they should have done from the beginning. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, all your games are in here, people are like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now uh, Steam is supporting it on their own end to make it uh, a bit of an easier thing to do, uh, as well as sort of talking to devs and saying, like, hey, make sure you're supporting either the Steam cloud uh, safe stuff or have your own solution for that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to run into situations of saves not working between the two versions. Yeah. That kind um, of stuff. I think this this also um, s- starts to solve the problem of having to log in twice. Uh, yeah. So that's that's going to be helpful for an end user. Yep. And yeah, so like a limited number of games will support it at first. Users will need to download GeForce Now clients, connect their Steam accounts mm-hmm. to it. Uh, let's see. That's kind of uh, it for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. This but is the, a better way to do it because. The way it was working right now was you'd 
fire up the game and it would start basically Steam on a virtual machine, and then you would have to log in with your Steam account. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not a great experience because it would then start up the, uh, you know, the Steam client. Uh, you would then have to go to the game store page, hit install, and then you know after a couple of seconds it would start the game. Uh, I mean, it's it works, but it's kind of a jank experience, and it looks like this is going to be a step in the way to solving that. So, yeah, and they say they're kind of looking into uh, additional Steam Cloud partners over time. Yeah, so mm-hmm. could potentially even get like uh, Google on board, hmm. among others, even PlayStation Now or uh, XCloud. Yeah, developing there. Uh, we got a wholesome direct, which I didn't know happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was. Uh, Done by uh, some Twitch streamers. I managed against uh, a bunch of indie developers that uh, make games that are very chill, cool, and uh, kind of non-confrontational, generally. Hmm. Uh, together, and they put about 55 games in this whole thing. Uh, it's pretty good, like 35 minutes, I think, stretch of uh, good stuff in there. Some games are already announced uh, and already out, like Kind Words, uh, Lo-Fi Chill Beats to Write to. Uh, announced that they're adding some new stuff to the game, uh, like a new new collectibles in there and all that kind of stuff. I think it's on sale for four bucks now, but also uh, is on here that was already out. Now I think it's uh, let's see, uh, a fold apart was in there as well, which is that kind of indie platformer that where the screen kind of folds in on itself yeah. at times to connect different parts of the levels. Uh, but they also showed off a bunch of other stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff that kind of definitely seems influenced by things like Pokemon, Stardew Valley, uh, that kind of stuff where you're doing a lot of farming or uh, collecting of creatures. Uh, stuff like Ooblets uh, was featured on there saying that they're going to be out pretty soon. No dates on pretty much most of this stuff. A lot of it's like uh, it's out later this year or next year or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of neat stuff in here. Yeah, I, uh, I think the value it. here is that it uh, it gives you an idea of a bunch of really chill games that you might want to play. So yeah. yeah, some of the stuff was in the Steam Game Festival as far as demos were in there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff here. Like there's Mondo Museum where you're. It kind of seems like a two point hospital, but you're setting up a museum. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. curating like the the type of stuff that goes in it, and all that to expand it and build it out in really cool ways. That kind of stuff. Uh, there's some uh, stuff here. Let's see. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff here. Like Garden Story, I talked about that as part of the Steam Game Festival, which was pretty cool. Uh, there's uh, Skate Birds is on here. Mm. They showed some more off of that. There's also another one that uh, features a skateboarding dog, uh, which is not really a skateboarding game as such. It's just the the main way your dog gets around. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of cool games here for people to check out if they want. Hmm. It's called Ollie Oop. <laughs> it's the the skateboarding dog game. Hmm. Uh, as he looks for his friend, hmm. that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a, a lot of cool stuff here. Definitely worth watching and uh, seeing what kind of uh, stuff you want to add to your uh, Steam wish list. Yep. So, all right, and then uh, a couple more stories to go before we wrap up. Uh, Xbox Series X backwards compatibility issue uh, issues. Details uh, emerge. Uh, we got 
Uh, automatic HDR and possibly the ability to double the frame rate depends on the game because some games were kind of locked to a frame rate because the yeah. timers were uh, locked to that frame rate. That's yeah, they the, tie. That's the that out that they could do this like that. I don't. I'm sure everybody here, you know, who has a PC knows what it's like when you go back after you've gotten a new PC going and you know you built something new or you got a new one, you know, whatever from the store, whatever the case may be. And you go back and you play some shit that your old sister, your old PC stumbled on, and then you fucking feel like God, like yeah, this is how this <laughs> shit is supposed to run. Like bringing that to consoles would just be nuts. Yeah, yeah. So the the HDR stuff seems interesting. They don't really describe too much about it, but they have some what they call new innovative HDR reconstruction technique, which okay. enables the platform to automatically add HDR support to games, which. I don't know, having a 4K TV now, uh, HDR has not been quite as mind-blowing as I thought it would be. Uh, I think that's partially adding it to existing games that didn't build it in from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that might be a potential issue for this. Features, these were games made, you know, 10, 15 years before the current implementation of HDR is involved in. So I'm not sure what, how much this is going to be a big thing. And I would argue Not. HDR on, on, um, depending on the game, it's really hit or miss. I really hope with this next generation, there are some standards because yeah. you with can tracing. That seems like a better way to get that, uh, looking better. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. You can get a game that, you know, should that, you know, in HDR should look really good, but just ends up looking like shit. Like red dead two. It's like that when it first came out and it wasn't until they did the HDR patch, um, I don't know, a couple of months yeah. back where they actually fixed it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that, that, that kind of stuff is really, I also think it's not, important. it's not a feature in at least like console games where you can just kind of turn it off and on to like, see like what the difference is as much yeah, uh, right. from what I've seen. Cause it requires a kind of, it requires a video mode switch to be able to do it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. hopefully that's kind of what we get next gen. It's like, we can I toggle this on like you do in PC games, and like the the stuff gets updated for uh, Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. You're like, okay, I see, I see what that's doing. Hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, I haven't seen a lot of good implementations of HDR, but I have seen a couple. Um, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn uh, HDR is phenomenal. Um, yeah, so that one's really good. Yeah, Horizon looks stunning. Uh, with HDR, that was a dramatic difference. Yeah. Um, the stuff with a lot of effects tends to look good if it's done right. Yeah, Crackdown um, Three with HDR looks amazing, even though the game sucks balls. Um, you know, it's still it might be worth checking out on Game Pass just to see how that looks with HDR enabled. I don't uh, know what I don't I don't have any other reference for this, but and I don't even know if it even has HDR. I just know the color usage in the Tetris. Uh, yeah, it has HDR, but it's not on by default. You have to turn it on. Yeah, it was that was stunning, especially on my OLED. Like, holy fuck! Yeah, it's like I'm yeah. having balls now. <laughs> yeah, I think it looks pretty good in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, especially when you get into darker areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it kind of helps keep it from just turning into you know just a completely dark screen. Yeah, uh, we get to some of those caves and such. Um, but like yeah, a bunch of gray blocks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. They say. But those games will also support quick resume, which I would hope so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they talk about uh, 
yeah, the, the frame rate stuff. Uh, they have a veritable playground of new capabilities, innovate and push limits of game preservation enhancement. Compatibility team has invented brand new techniques that enable even more titles to run at high resolutions. Image quality while still respecting the artist's artistic intent and vision of the original creators. Uh, creating a whole new class of innovations, including the ability to double frame rate of select titles from 30 to 60 FPS or 60 to 120. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what you know what they end up doing with this. Yeah. Um, It'd also be nice if uh, on these consoles we get games offering the ability to turn on the frame per second counter, like yeah. on PC. Hmm. Some games. So make it. There's like one or two games that maybe have it, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially where when you see how different it is in different games on PC. Hmm. Some will list like bandwidth stuff, like with it. Hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I, don't, I just want the number. Hmm. Show me when it goes up and down and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that I know that the, the settings I have for Microsoft game making it look good. That. It just, that just works. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the gist of what is in here. Yeah. And what they haven't really outlined yet is what is going to be backwards compatible. Yeah. Uh, there might be kinda... something that doesn't get revealed until like a few weeks before launch. Yeah. Once they finalize what all is going to work fine. Yeah. Because it seems to me like they're putting a whole lot of effort into this. Uh, if for, and if it's just going to be uh, that limited catalog of Xbox 360 and original Xbox titles that are, you know, quote unquote backwards compatible. Um, it doesn't seem like they would put that much effort into it. Of course, that probably also uh, includes, you know, legacy Xbox One. Uh, but yeah, uh, it seems yeah. like this is specifically addressing the, the, the older stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I do hope they put in the sort of the quality control work into this to yeah. make sure these games run well, look good, and don't have weird issues that cause. Uh, uh, just weird issues, yeah. But you know, I would take a game that ran ninety-five percent well and made the list rather than having a long list of games that aren't on there because they aren't at a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't care if there's a, a glitch here or a bug there. I, I just want to fucking play the games. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's an issue on that. I think it's for what they're doing there, mm. specific like upgrade stuff to it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, all right. And because we're not a fanboy podcast, we've got PlayStation 5 news. Uh, yeah. June 4th will be when we get the full deets on uh, the PlayStation 5. That's going to be the reveal event. So, the would have yeah. been E3 press conference. Yeah. So, yeah, Thursday is yeah. we're going to hear about that. Uh, yeah, so man, this are... E3 would have been fucking weird if it had happened. Yep. Especially with what's going on in the rest of the country. Yeah. Well, no, even all things being normal, I mean, uh, Sony's having their press conference on the 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, it's going to be about an hour long or so. Mm. Uh, As I said, uh, let's see, they're going to have, I think, all exclusive games. shorter than they should be. Just exclusive games, so. Yeah, Yeah, so they're going to have that. Um, Yeah, look at the games they'll be playing after PS5 launches this holiday. Uh, games coming to PS5 represent the best in the industry from innovative studios that span the globe, larger and smaller studios, it's newer and most more established, 
I've been hard at work developing games that will showcase the potential of the hardware. And yeah, yeah. yeah they say they're also going to be doing a series of updates like this over the the next few months up to launch. Yeah. Uh, I just want to see what the system looks like. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of important. So yeah. mm-hmm. let's see that, please. I, uh, for the time being, people are trying to figure out if the controller and the... What's that? Do you guys actually expect to see the box there? I do expect At this it. point, yeah. At this point, it's, it's, it's six months out, so... Mm-hmm. I think we can. Yeah. yeah, if they don't have a box, there's a problem. Yeah. I just uh, hope it's thick, because I need it to not sound like a jet engine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, give it a fat ass, Sony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, the people I mean, are... how things have been. Seeing how things have been, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see a box. I mean, the I don't, I don't know if it, if it was a press release, but then they, they definitely mentioned that games were definitely going to be a thing. And then for some reason, the main image was the controller. And seeing as how like Nintendo was able to you know have a successful launch with the Switch, even though their uh, first main or their main conference was about like like a month back, I don't know. It's weird, mm. weird times. Yeah. yeah, and people are looking at the image of the controller and like. Was oh, this confirmation of black controller? What's going on here? And it's like that's the white controller. Yeah. And dark lighting. Yeah. I just yeah. I just needed to have a fat ass. Yeah. I, I, uh-huh. My fucking pro sounds like a jet engine on a menu screen. <laughs> so does mine. <laughs> so, but it's ridiculous. Game. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, Sony is also saying that uh, PS5 games will show us what next gen is about. Also, the sky is blue. Yeah. yeah, at least be in contrast to what the the <laughs> Xbox event was. Yeah, they showed a bunch of stuff that seemed to be cross gen and didn't look like regular trailers for current gen games. Yeah, not yeah. really too much. Not like the best foot forward on that stuff. Yeah, so they're they're basically going to be they're committing to showing like PS5 specific stuff. So yeah, yeah, giving you a reason why <laughs> you might want a PS5. So. Well, yeah, you know Microsoft, which kind of uh, dropped the ball on that whole announcement. So, yeah, was that? And hopefully, less like Zoom stuff. Yeah, during this cool. stream. Yeah, and uh, well, to, uh, I'll just uh, skip this for the moment. But to, to tie kind of in with that, uh, Sony is also confirming that there will be PS5 only games. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there will be cross-gen stuff as well, stuff, but there will also be only PS5 stuff. Uh, yeah, I think there was some confusion about that for a little while as to whether well because of their own wording of it. Yeah, um, that's good to know, I suppose. You know, but yeah, where it does mean that we're uh, really getting to another generation and not just another half step. So yeah, that's that's good to know. Yeah, that's definitely like the the one issue with Microsoft's approach is kind of them talking about how a lot of their games, if not all of them, uh, for the time being are also going to be out on Xbox One. Yeah. And uh, Xbox One wasn't necessarily a great like hardware platform to be building a foundation on like no. that. So it's like, okay, uh, that's great for the people that own Xbox Ones. Mm. You don't have to upgrade to that, or if you have a good enough PC, you don't have to necessarily have to uh, rush out for this system. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, finally, uh, even though I'm going out of order, uh, report is saying that after July... Uh, any PS4 game that comes out will have to run on PS5. So they're they're making a hard cut there. 
Uh, it's like, yeah, if you want to release a PS4 game right leading up to a PS5, it's got to also run on the PS5. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of what they did with the PS4 Pro. Does, does that mean starting August or can a July release still count? Uh, I think there's. I, I think. I think the July releases will count, man. You know that ghost of Shimmy Shimmy is going to run on the PlayStation 5? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, the wording is a little little bit unclear, uh, but if I'm to parse it, it means you know starting. It would be starting July. Uh, that, that's kind of how I read it. But yeah, uh, I mean starting isn't after though. <laughs> yeah, but I but it could also mean like you know. But I guess they could have put after June, and that would have been July. But if after July implies August. But it could include July. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> so. Um, words are difficult. says this is for game sets. Uh, yeah, submitted to Sony for approval. Yeah, after July thirteenth. Yeah, it's not necessarily when they release, but when they're submitted for yeah. approval to release. Yep. So, it's usually a few, month, a few weeks. Economic. No, but you know, The Last of Us is going to run on PS Five. So. Yeah. 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 I, I'm I'm assuming that Sony's own first party stuff is just going is just going to. Uh, yeah. At this point, well, wouldn't that be a black eye on them if they if it didn't? Yeah. Yeah. This is a PS4 game only. Um. Yeah. That 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 wouldn't be a good look. Well, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Especially since they're mm-hmm. well. Well, Microsoft is committing to cross gen, but. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, I I look forward to seeing what Sony has to offer. An hour does uh, seem a bit short, as Pat mentioned. Um. But if, you know, yeah, as long as they don't focus on stuff like, you know, Call of Duty and stuff that's going to be cross-platform, then an hour might be long enough. Um, but I kind of would have preferred two. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also get a bunch of events from the other publishers, too. Oh, yeah. So they can show their own stuff off over the next few weeks and months. Yep. It's part of this Summer Game Fest and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all uh, you know, if you have uh, subscriptions to Twitch, um, your email box is going to be lit up pretty hard for the for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be a mm-hmm. lot of live streams showing up. Check that out. So I think we've done the show. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I'd like to mm-hmm. remind everybody that uh, if you haven't subscribed, you can uh, do so at Anchor at anchor.fm slash day zero update. Uh, you can go there and uh, hit the subscribe button and get the, our show delivered directly to your device of choice. Even mm-hmm. if that device is your web browser. Yeah. There's that. And if we're not there, just uh, wait a little bit. We'll be there eventually. Yeah. My anchor is uh, just is like firing us off to about nine different providers. So mm-hmm. that's, that's <laughs> nice of them to do. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Can I get it on a PSP? Uh, if it can run the web browser, it probably can. <laughs> uh, you can also check out smashpad.com where our written content is uh, going to be there. That's going to be it for this week. So for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, Chris Sologi, Daniel Victorio, and Lee Lamb, I've been Filippo Melfo, and we'll see you next week.